good news of Jesus Christ appeals to every person on this earth. And that elevates the name of God as the name above every name. And what He has done, His work, can appeal to any person. That you can talk to somebody about the work of God, and you don't have to filter it through of, well, you know, would this offend them or would this apply to their life? No, no, no. The good news of Jesus Christ applies to all people. So, one of the things that I see in the culture around us, and boy, this gets me hot. <laughs> this just drives me crazy. Is when I'm reading the when I'm reading the news. I was going to say the paper. I don't have a paper anymore. When I'm reading the news, or when I'm watching something, and this is again what happens in the culture. One of the biggest lies, and I believe blasphemies, about the gospel is that it's all about white middle class evangelical Americans. Every time I read a story and they talk about Christianity in context of our culture, it seems to go back to that group and it says it's all about white, middle-class, evangelical Americans. And I am one of those. <laughs> and a lot of you are fit in that, fit in that category. White, middle-class, evangelical Americans. But what rises up within me is when the culture around us tries to identify the gospel as that slice. And say that's who, that's who makes up Christianity. Those are the people that Christianity is all about. And I have this jealous anger that rises up that says, don't you dare try and diminish the glory of Jesus Christ who has reached every people, every nation, every language. For the glory of Christ, the crucifixion applies to all peoples. And just because the myopic view that it can be narrowed down to one small slice of people within the United States. That diminishes his glory. Not that it actually does, but it's an attempt, I should say, to diminish the glory of Jesus Christ and what he's done by narrowing down the view of the gospel to just a very small sliver of people. That's why it matters. That's why it should matter to you, is that the culture around you, the, the things that are happening around you are trying to narrow down what the gospel and who the people of God are and who God focuses in on. And we want to be able to say, nope, the gospel is for all people, everyone. But there's not a person who can't be touched and reached for the gospel, with the gospel. In fact, the largest group of worshipers right now, if you want to narrow it down to a group, Sub-Saharan Africa and South America and Asia is on the rise. <laughs> Recently, I was interviewed uh, because... We have a billboard or had a billboard uh, in the community that it said, uh, it was around the holiday season, it said uh, axis, meaning the axis of the earth, the axis tilt is the reason for the season. And so it's kind of a poke at Christians. It's kind of like a little bit of a jab because many Christians say Jesus is the reason for the season. And so the Western Colorado Atheist Group purchased this billboard that says axis tilt is the reason for the season, kind of being, you know, Aren't we, aren't we funny, you know? Uh, and also just to kind of poke us Christians in the eye and say, you know, take that, you know, your myth about believing in Jesus. And uh, so, so the argument or the idea and the reason I was interviewed was they wanted to get the word from a local pastor <clears throat> of what the view is. What does this do? Does, you know, the idea, doesn't this just like, Oh, doesn't this just like get you angry? Don't you want to lash back at them? And I, I, uh, my response was, I, 
no, I'm not, I'm not agitated. I mean, there's different views in, in the culture around us. We live in a free nation. We, thank God. <laughs> and, and we're just so grateful that we can have many views. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't anger me. I, I said, I think it's a little small, though, when you want to poke fun at a group when there's however many millions of Christians around the world and treat them as though they're ignorant and they have no common sense about them. It's a pretty small view when what you try to do is narrow it down and poke fun at what you think is just a very, and that was the other side of their argument, is, you know, more and more, there's more and more non-Christians in the United States. There's more people who are not aligning with the faith. And so from my perspective, I said, well, well, sure, certainly there's diversity, but if you broaden it out to the whole world, God is on the move. There's more people coming to Christ in the Middle East than any time in the world before. There's more people coming to Christ in China than any time in the world before. There's the, the growth of Christianity through Sub-Saharan Africa is, is just continuing to explode. South America, churches are sending out churches to the United States, missionaries to come here, to, to reach people here in the U.S. Christianity is not some diminishing small slice that you just want to equate it and look at North America or, or the United States and say, oh, see, you're such a small group and your beliefs are so tiny. No, 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 no. The glory of Jesus says the gospel is moving forward to all peoples, all nations, and His glory is increasing around the world. And so why does, it, why does it matter to us? Because we're talking about God being diminished down to the smallest possible little group so we can say, see, it's not relevant except for a handful of white evangelical Americans. And that's all it matters to. So it's important for us, if we're part of that, part of that group, to be able to say, no, 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 no. Here's what I know about my God. He is a God for every nation. He's a God for every tribe or ethnicity. He's a God for every language. And he's not small. He's not shrinking in his reach. He's blowing up this world with his presence and with the good news of Christ, setting captives free. So it's important that we understand that. And we celebrate that it's not just us, that it's so much more than us, that we're part of a bigger picture. So let's spend the rest of the next few uh, moments here this morning looking at this passage out of Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians 2 and then Ephesians 3. I'm going to read two fairly large portions of Scripture because I want us to see, well, how does this bring glory to God? How does Jesus receive glory out of the diversity of His church? Ephesians 2, 13 through 22. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So let me kind of give you backstory a little bit. Paul oftentimes in the New Testament is addressing Differences between Jews and Gentiles. Those who have a birthright in Christ because of God's blessing upon the people of Israel and those who are Gentiles or non-Jews and how there is this dividing wall between them. One 
is the law of people who would be reconciled to God through obeying the law, and that was their pathway to uh, acceptance to God. And then the other is those who would come by way of outsiders, and they weren't accepted to God. And so Paul's highlighting and he's saying, listen, God took the two who were different and approaching, and, and one who was far off from God, one who was close to God, but still not able to make it because of the laws and the, the ordinances and not following through and being able to be sinless, says, in Christ, the blood of Christ, he has made the two one. We access God the same way. And so he's broken down that dividing, dividing wall, those who are far away and those who are near. So verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So, in this passage, Paul's highlighting, listen, there was even scripturally, there was a division. There were Jews, non-Jews, right? Those chosen by God and those Gentiles, those outside of the blessing. And Paul highlights, he says, in Christ, He has now made you all acceptable, through the work of Jesus Christ, there is no insider outsider. There is in Christ all accepted by the same pathway. There's not one elevated over another. We're all accepted because of the work of Jesus Christ. So let me go on to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 21. Paul's speaking about the gospel. It's the gospel that has done this and brought us together. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend what is the... Uh, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, that to Him is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Paul, right in the midst of these passages, especially in chapter 3, verse 10, he outlines this mystery that was hidden for so long. People wondered, what is it that God's doing? He's working in Israel, but, but now the question, what is he doing by including Gentiles in this? What is it that God has been trying to do all this time? Verse 10 clues us into that. It says, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
Do you recognize that unity in the body of Christ unleashes or unfolds, puts on display the wisdom of God in all of the heavenly realms? The diversity of Christ's church living in oneness demonstrates God's wisdom and greatness. Now, why, why is this? Why does it demonstrate God's wisdom? Why does it demonstrate God's greatness? Well, for one, is that there is no unity. I talked about it before in the culture around us. There is division. There is strife that happens outside of the body of Christ when it comes to issues of diversity. And it has been this way for, for forever. <laughs> We're unified around the work of Christ and instead of separating And being divided by our diversity, we're free to celebrate our differences instead of minimize them. Because we recognize that they're one of the most important parts that bring honor and glory to God. Have you ever said, and I've said this before, have you ever said, well, I just don't see any differences in people. We're all just humans. That's the only race is the human race. And I said that earlier, right? That's that's the only race. And and there's there's truth in that, that we, we all belong under the same household, that passage of Scripture talked about, the whole, all of humanity is made in the image of God. And as a follower of Jesus, you are given His Holy Spirit and brought into relationship with Him. But see, it's, it is important to see diversity. It's, it's good to see us as humanity all in the same condition, needing a Savior, but it's also really good to see the diversity of what makes us uniquely different and makes us unique and and different from the person we're even seated next next to. Do you know why that is? Do you know why that enhances and enlightens God's glory? Is because in the flesh and in the world around us, that doesn't help with unity. That causes division. In the culture around us, your differences mean that you and I shouldn't have relationships. It means that we should divide on those lines because I'm staked out my area and you've staked out yours and now there's division between us. I don't talk like you, therefore you are that group and I'm this group. I'm not in the same income bracket. You're in that group. I'm in this group. Division. You're female. I'm male. Division. There's separations. And whenever I can, outside of Christ, remember, in the culture around it, whenever I can, I use my difference to enhance my position and I use your difference to diminish your position. I lift myself up and I push you down. You don't have to look very far to see that as a reality in the world around you. But see what what we're seeing in Ephesians is it says, but here's the wisdom of God. He gets all these people, all these diverse people, different economic status, different gender, different... Uh, generational differences, age, age brackets, different ethnicities, different languages, and he can put them all in the same, group, same room. He can put them around to one another. And the goal and the glory of God isn't that they all start dividing out and working against one another, but they all come together to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, God and his wisdom and his work It says it puts on display among the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. And they all look at God and go, wow, how did you do that? 
these corruptible humans that are always looking for a way to push one down and lift another up to build up their position. How is it that you've done it? That instead they would love one another and they would embrace even their differences and recognize the differences that they have to the glory of God. So let me kind of illustrate this even in a simple way because my wife Jerry and I, um, we have a lot of things in common, but we have some differences as well. If I was to give my testimony, I would share with you how as I was growing up, I didn't grow up within the church. I went a couple times. Uh, my my uh, dad and mom who moved here recently, they would take me to church when I'd visit with them, but I lived with my mom and stepdad, and, and we didn't go to church. And, and so when I was uh, coming up in, in, um, in through high school, um, I didn't live close to Christ. I was far away from him and, and did uh, things that were contrary to the Scripture and contrary to his spirit. But then I came to Christ uh, in, in my junior year of high school, and it just changed the trajectory of my life at that point. Now, in that story, you hear all, all the things that happened up until that point, and then from Christ, a different direction. Now, if I was to have Jerry come up and give a microphone, which I won't, because she'll take the whole rest of the service. <laughs> she'll just take all of my time and won't stop, and no... If you were to hear Jerry's testimony, she, she was born into Foursquare. And uh, no, she, her father, Mark, is a pastor, and so she grew up raised in the faith. She grew up being taught Scripture. She grew up understanding prayer. And from the earliest point she can remember, she just remembers loving Jesus. There wasn't a time where she said, yeah, I, no, I had this really bad rebellion against God, and I was this way. No, she, she had points where her heart was not always in sync with God, but never a point where she was defiant against God or, or wasn't wanting to walk with God. And that was her life all the way through. So if you compared us side by side, we'd say, well, that's not the same story. That's a, that's a different experience. And yet, what do we rally around? What do we come together around? Christ. We come together around Jesus and His work. Every testimony, and I could do that if I went around the room and held out microphone, and we talked about testimonies, you'd have one who would say, well, you know, I was, I was raised in such a good home, and I accepted Christ at a young age, and I grew up just loving Jesus, and all through my life, I, you know, just experienced uh, life with Him. And then I could go to somebody else and say, you know what, I ran from God. I ran from God all my life, and I, I was, wasn't until my 40s that, you know, I had been involved in bad relationships, and I'd been involved in and drug addictions, and other types of addictions, and then I came to Christ. Do you know what the common rallying point for every follower of Jesus is? Jesus. Whatever happened before, that's a, you're just telling what happened before Christ, and the different things that affected your life, and how you got to where you're at. But the turning point, the common point, the point you rally around is the work of Christ. And that's what Paul's saying in Ephesians. Whatever happened in the past, whatever was going on, again, we don't run from it, we don't stuff it, we don't hide it. We just say, that's not the most important facet of my life. The most important aspect of my life in any follower of Jesus is Jesus, the point in which I came and accepted the life of Christ, when I accepted forgiveness. So when we talk about celebrating diversity, what it is, the reason we can celebrate is it demonstrates God's wisdom and His greatness. Whatever background you have, whatever your differences might be, and they don't, I'm not saying they're all bad. In fact, many of them are good differences, things that make us unique. 
The reason we can celebrate them is because we celebrate around God's work. We celebrate around Christ. We celebrate around who he, who he is and what He does. And so that brings Him more glory. The more diverse we are, the more it elevates God's wisdom. And it just says, God, how do you take people from such unique places and you bring them together under the headship of Christ? And all of a sudden, they don't start working against one another and complaining against one another, but they start loving one another in a sacrificial way, in a way that elevates the name of Jesus. The second thing I want to highlight in closing with this is the diversity uh, is, you know, (laughs) celebrating the diversity of Christ's body resists demonic influence, breaks oppression, and makes room for the Holy Spirit to work. That's a mouthful, right? But let me tell you what this looks like. And, And as soon as I say it, as soon as I start describing it, you'll see it. There have always been demonic forces at work against diversity, against different nationalities, against there being a diversity within, not just within the body, but within the world. Assyria. What's a nation do when it becomes great? It captivates all other people. It extinguishes their own culture and forces them to blend into their own. It takes away their language. It takes away any distinctives that would make them a unique people. Israel experienced this over uh, multiple times in the Old Testament. Assyria, Babylon, Rome, each time, what did they do? They gather people in and then they assimilate them into their own culture. Get rid of your language. Get rid of your own traditions. Get rid of your, your own worship. Just become part of who we are. That's the nature of the demonic forces that are at work when there's battles that are taking place as they seek and they work to remove any sense of difference, any sense of diversity or uniqueness among peoples. The global slave trade, Europe and the United States enslaved millions of of Africans. What did we do? What happened in Europe is we took them captive, they came over, we removed their sense of identity and tried to get them just to assimilate as best they could to be Uh, you know, citizens of the United States, even though they didn't have citizenship. But we removed characteristics of their own culture. So that's part of our own own history. So we we see that in there. Germany and Japan, the murder of six million Jews and, and, and Japan, the murder of millions of Asians, right, as they went through there. What did they do? They identified an ethnic group and then they tried to wipe it out. They tried to eliminate anything that would have had their uniqueness about them and eliminate them. This is at the heart, more recent experiences, uh, Bosnia, Rwanda, Darfur, Burundi, Syria, Myanmar, and the history goes on and on. This is the demonic influence that is over the world that seeks to wipe out people based on their ethnicity. I remember the tragedy of, of Rwanda, one tribe against another tribe, warring against them, just slaughter hundreds of thousands of people. Why? Because they were from that tribe. They weren't part of our tribe. And the people that I knew that were over there, missionaries, they said, you could just demonic, just the the spirit of demonic was all over it. The things that that they would do. And many, any of you have looked at uh, the, uh, the German invasion, the slaughter of Jews, there was demonic influence all throughout that, right? And so celebrating the diversity of Christ's body, it resists that demonic influence that says oppress anything that is different than you. It breaks oppression. People who are used to uh, their differences 
being used against them, all of a sudden when you say, you know what, God loves who you are. He loves your nationality. He loves who you are. It breaks that oppression that says that it could be used against them, that it could somehow diminish them. And it makes room for the Holy Spirit to work in their life. We see that in the book of Acts, right? Acts 2, making room for the Holy Spirit to come upon all people. And they said, what is it that God's doing? Well, God's letting people know, I'm here for you and your people. I'm here for you and your people. I'm here for you and your people. He says, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, God's saying, I'm here. And I love the diversity of nations because it points to his wisdom that a people called by his name would not oppress, but they would push back against demonic influences. And it would say, we can be a people who have such unique, come from a whole unique spectrum, different gender, different ethnicity, different economic status. We can all come together under the headship of Christ. Here's here's where this brings us as we talk about being a healthy community. You have, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably seen some of these these divisions pop up within churches. It happens. We separate out. We oftentimes separate young from old. Right? What you want and what the young group wants. And, And so... You know, we just can't coexist. Uh, we'll, we'll see it around, around economic status. Uh, I, I've seen people who have been lifted up in the church because they give a lot more than another person, right? Divisions within the body because of this diversity. that We don't like this person versus that person. We use that diversity. Listen, as a, as a four-square church, I got to tell you, that's not part of our that's not part of the direction that we're supposed to go. This, we, were, we started in the Pentecostal movement out of Los Angeles. The Azusa Street movement where whites and blacks and Hispanics all gathered together at Azusa Street and the Holy Spirit was poured out in powerful ways. And out of that, the founder, Amy Simple McPherson, a woman who was preaching in a, in a time when a woman preacher would not have been the norm... <laughs> And so she begins preaching, and in her tent meetings, uh, blacks were welcome. In fact, she was at one point harassed and, and given all kinds of trouble from the KKK because she was reaching out to blacks for her uh, during her outreaches, right? So this is, and then, and then missions, early on the Foursquare Church was sending missionaries all around the world to every nation because the glory of Jesus needed to be spread around the world. So here's where it hits home is, is Lord, asking ourselves in our response time, is there anything in me that shies away from diversity? Is there anything in me that wants to push that down and minimize diversity so that I don't have to deal with it? It's easier just to say, well, we're all just part of the human race. Let's just erase any type of diversity there is and not even acknowledge it. I know I've had that view in the past of just, well, let's not even highlight diversity because it just causes strife. It just causes, it just causes there to be friction among people. Do you know that that's the truth in the world, but that's not intended to be the truth in the church? It can cause strife in the world, 
And we can allow as a church that strife to come into the church, but that's not the way the church is designed. The church is designed to be people from all around the world and from all types of backgrounds who all gather around the Christ, uh, the cross and the work of Jesus Christ to worship Him and lift Him up. So in my response of just saying, Lord, help me. I don't want to diminish how you have people who are called to you from every nation, tribe, and tongue. I want to be able to lift up your glory in the midst of diversity. Lord, is there any way in in which I've allowed the world to impose upon me and begin to speak messages to me about this idea of diversity? I I want to share with you the that happens all the time in the church. We carry into the church the messages of the culture. Listen, in our nation right now, in the United States, immigration is an important issue. It's something that they're battling with. If you're allowing that to harden your heart towards other nationalities and other peoples, repent. That is not God's heart for other peoples. Do you need to address, do, do we as a nation need to address that? Do we need to figure that out? Yes. But that does not give us freedom as followers of Jesus to harden our heart to other peoples and nationalities. There's no room for it. Are there issues uh, around gender differences, male and female, in our culture? And do we have issues of what we would, many would say is feminism being forceful and, and others around male dominance and those issues? Yes, those are issues that exist within our culture. And they need to be addressed in, in, in different ways. They need to be addressed in our culture. But in the, in the body, that shouldn't allow us to harden as, as a, a, a white, middle-aged, well, I'm getting a little on the other side of middle, but, but I'll say middle at this point, white, middle-aged, evangelical male. Does that give me per- permission to say, you know what, it's all about militants, uh, uh, militant feminine rights. And so I just need to, I don't pay any attention. No, no, no. It doesn't allow me to harden my heart towards God's work with women and what he wants to accomplish there. I can't carry the mantras of the world into the church and say God agrees with that. What I can do is I can take the message of the gospel and the scriptures and I can take it out into the world. And I can say, God has a life-changing message for you, culture. You don't have a life-changing message for the church. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you have listened to the messages of the culture and it has defensed you, it has caused you to rise up and go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I can't like that because then I'm giving in to the culture. No, no, no. What I encourage you to do is don't just take my word for it. You go into the scripture. You take time to get in and see God's heart for the world. You get in and look at the way that God celebrates diversity and allow him to convince you about his heart for all peoples, all nations, all tongues. And make that part of your value for what the kingdom of God looks like. And then you pray about, Lord, so what does that mean in my context? How do I do that in my culture where there's battles raging around immigration, where there's battles raging around gender differences, where there's battles that are taking place among the, uh, amongst uh, different groups, diverse groups? How do I take the message of the gospel and scripture and take it into the world instead of just re-saying those same mantras into the church? Change us, God, from the inside out.
Would you join me in standing? During our response time, we have communion available to those who would like to receive it. The first of the month, we receive it together, and then during the rest of the month, we have it available. And again, it's your recognizing what Christ has done. Uh, Just what I talked about out of Ephesians. He has broken down that barrier wall, dividing Jew and Gentile, dividing black and white, dividing male and female, dividing rich and poor. He has broken down that barrier wall that would keep us separated. And it says we As we come to Christ, we are one in Him. We celebrate the difference, but we don't allow it to separate us and cause division among us. So there's communion available to you. There's the prayer team that's available to you. I know a number of folks have not been feeling well physically, and I just encourage you, go back. Our prayer team would love to pray over you and see you receive healing in Jesus' name. We believe He is still active and bringing healing into people's lives, emotional and physical. And so just make sure you take advantage of having that prayer team back there. And then in your response time, I I just want to encourage us as a church. Healthy community means that we just want to celebrate who God is. (laughs) He doesn't belong to any one of us. He, He transcends, and yet He works through the diverse nature of all peoples. And so that we can celebrate that instead of resist it or say that it's a negative thing. So, Lord, as we come to worship you, we pray that we would get our messages from the Holy Spirit. We pray I'd get our messages from uh, Scripture and not from our local news sources. Um, Lord, that we would, you would establish, God, your purposes in us. God, through your Word and through your Spirit and through our fellowship around the cross, And that we would not carry in the demonic influence of the culture around us that tries to divide us around diversity, but instead we would celebrate that Christ is the Lord over all peoples. And that we would celebrate that you have lordship over all peoples. And so, Lord, it wouldn't be a point where we fear that there are differences among us, but, Lord, we would celebrate and rejoice over the differences that we have because it just says one more area where Jesus is Lord. The fact that you're Lord over those in poverty and those who are wealthy is just one more victory for you, Lord, that there's no place that you don't reach. The fact that you are victorious in those who speak English and and those who speak Spanish is one more area that we see victory in in your name. The fact that you are uh, Lord over male and female, Lord, one more place of diversity where you are Uh, God of heaven and earth. So Lord, we celebrate our differences, recognizing we are one race with many differences all gathered around the cross. We thank you for that. Now we worship you with one voice, with one heart to proclaim you as Lord and King over all. Amen.